Connecting the classics. Lee knows more than I know. But this week, Will knows more than I know. Awesome album choice. Awesome album choice, Lee. Five points off the bat for your album choice that we'll discuss in a second. You know more than I know. And I know that that was John Cale, You Know More Than I Know, and this is J.J. Cale, Ride Me High. We're riding high into another episode of Connecting the Classics, which is a weekly, friendly, competitive radio hour where we each pick classic albums, and then we connect from one album to the other using tangential references in the style of Kevin Bacon. Resulting in six songs of separation, Kevin Bacon style. Got my connections this week, but let's get started with our picks because pretty excited about the one you chose. Um, I think I started with my Bloody Valentine, Loveless. Which I just, the only reason I chose it was I felt like it's something we hadn't really talked about. And we dabbled with a little bit of shoegaze last episode, so. And I love the pick. I didn't, I couldn't have loved it less. I love Loveless, My Bloody Valentine. (laughs) And I fired back with American Football, American Football, the self-titled debut from 1999. And I thought of it because we were talking about architecture at the end of the last episode. But before we get into that, we can get into some My Bloody Valentine. Because I do have a one-to-one connection. Oh, wow. I was looking up an interview with Mike Kinsella of American Football. Yeah. And he said one of the bands that, like, one of his all-time influences are... He says, most of my influences have been pretty constant since I began writing songs. Depeche Mode, Dinosaur Jr., The Sundays, The Smiths and My Bloody Valentine. So one-to-one connection there. Wow. Um, I don't know if I heard that in his music, uh, or I guess the band's music, American Football. But um, I don't know about you, but the more I learned about this album, definitely the more I felt like it ruined the music. So let's get into the songs themselves, and then we can talk a little bit more about kind of what we've learned. But... Yeah, I think it's it's such a influential record, huge like cult classic. I feel like college radio stations just obsessed with it. But yeah, I, I think it's a great example of shoegaze and kind of how distorted guitars can just be this like wall of sound in a sense. So, anyways, my pick for this week, I went with "I Only Said." Um, there was a lot of catchy tracks on this, but. This one I thought was just uh, a great mix where I like, if I had a rig, I would just like want to jam along to this song. It's just really catchy chord progression. All right, launching in. My Bloody Valentine, I only said. 
So this album was one of those ones that like took years to finish. Um, I read some interviews where he said he would forget like the tunings that he recorded songs in. He'd only have like the guitar layered and he needed to do like four other parts. And it just dragged out across like three or four years and drove the record label crazy. <laughs> but the final results are undeniable. Also read they got tinnitus. So the, the main guy, Kevin Shields, is sort of the brains behind the project. And then there's a singer, um, I forget her name now. But they got tinnitus, I think, because they were touring in the middle of the project. And as you can tell by the music, they perform also incredibly loud. But I realized, has anyone ever made the pun tinnitus andronicus? <laughs> Maybe the members of, or Patrick Stickles of Titus Andronicus but that's good. Yeah. Tweet it. You what? Tweet it. Tweet it. <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of like we were talking about last week with that Scottish band. Like this band would sound yeah. so different if they weren't just fully filling up the entire uh, like musical tapestry for lack of a better word with yeah. everything cranked to the max yeah you can't even really hear the vocals I couldn't I didn't I don't think I caught a word so it's like this came out for the people who really know nothing this came out and like other bands like it and it was called shoegaze because people were staring at their shoes with their like giant pedal boards right or is that uh, yeah like, that's what wiki said I had never heard that that uh the guitar players in shoegaze bands had all these pedals so they were always staring at the ground when they were playing because they were turning on and off distortion and stuff and i think probably they had you know not the most energetic performances because it's kind of like goth rock almost yeah but like kind of slow hints of emo maybe definitely or post-punk i guess is the thread earlier i noticed a lot of like loops during it too i actually put this album on while I was driving in the car with like that like, yeah love that like I love those loops and uh, Anna commented on it while we were driving around saying I think all of your music that you like is just annoying loops over and over <laughs> again which is pretty accurate well if you want to get real nerdy with the production value of this album there are a lot of cool like so I don't know if you said this already but the album came out in 91 uh, started recording it in like 88, 89 and uh, he's playing a lot with obviously like guitar pedals, distortion and then also a lot of like tape flutter and there's some synth stuff that I think that little squeak part might be a synth um, so there's a lot of cool process I think behind the music that's not just a guy with a guitar um, from point A to point B right so take that Anna I'll give you 100 points for that <laughs> so I was also reading that like if you're talking about musical chronological 
you know, we have post-punk kind of feeds into shoegaze. And then shoegaze, I guess, was kind of what gave way to Britpop. And that's what we would call like Oasis and Blur and those kind of like early to mid 90s British rock groups. Because I definitely got some Oasis feel, even some Beatles feels to to some of the songs. Yeah. Psychedelic pop. We'll be getting into some Britpop later. Ooh, okay. We'll be popping over the pond. Okay. We don't plan this. <laughs> chugga, 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 chugga. But if you think about it, like uh, some sort of like alchemist beat or like a hip hop beat that's primarily a loop, it is mm-hmm. kind of similar to that. Like it just gets you in that hypnotic state. Yeah. The last thing I forgot to mention too with the process. He got famous for strumming while holding his whammy bar. I don't know if you read that. And so that's part of how he got kind of that like warble uh, noise. Yeah. He'd, like, he'd have the whammy bar in his hand as he was strumming so he could create warbles. That's great. But yeah, almost like off the rails kind of rock is my interpretation. I'll give you 40 points for warbles. Warbles. <laughs> and warbles is a good word. Good scrabble word. <laughs> So warbles, how you describe uh, My Bloody Valentine, but mm-hmm. everyone who hears American football uses the word twinkling Ooh. for the guitars. Twinkling. I like that. Uh, but So that was Lee's album going into my album, American Football. It seems like you liked it more than I expected. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, I feel like as an entry point to that genre, I, I mean, can you call them emo? There's, there felt like there was some post, uh, some like, post-rock elements but can you call it emo well i feel like the term that a lot of people use is midwest emo and i kind of okay. hate i kind of hate that term uh-huh but i guess it kind of describes this style of music that i like but i think back in the day i would have just called it emo or punk or or indie or something well there was some really cool melodic drum and guitar parts that i was not expecting at all like well it's also like math yeah. rock style like it's also described as like a math rock or like an influential math rock album even though it's not totally precise and like yeah really clever yeah so basically this album like the reason i've been thinking about it too is because we're an evergreen podcast but a few weeks ago from when we're recording this the band american football announced that they bought the house that's on the album cover which happens to be in oh, my okay. hometown of Champaign, Illinois. It's actually in uh, Urbana, Champaign-Urbana. Five points for All Champaign. Right, I'll give you five points. And that I'll give you ha- two and a half. <laughs> it's just really interesting to me. And that's, I was talking about like architecture and the um, David Byrne TED Talk on the last episode about mm-hmm. how architecture informs music. Mm-hmm. But when I was kind of thinking about those two things and like this album, I have kind of the personal connection to it, I guess, because of Champagne and... I feel like it really like only could have come out of Champagne in 1999. Well, I guess technically Urbana, but whatever. But yeah. it's like got the kind of bleak, you know, Midwest emo thing going on. But and like really like, tasteful. I think other people, it's they're so easy to parody the way that a lot of emo music sounds. And like, I don't know. I just thought it worked really well with like the content matter. Well, this was like the blueprint not just American football, but Cap'n Jazz before them, uh-huh. which was um, 
Tim Kinsella was the older brother. I think he's older. And they all lived in Wheeling, Illinois, like a suburb of Chicago. They mm-hmm. had a band in high school called Cap and Jazz that was like kind of loud punk. They've like the other day at the Silver Lake Reservoir in LA, I saw a guy run by in a Cap and Jazz t-shirt. Uh-huh. So like they've had a huge influence. And then American football had like a huge influence. And so bands like Paramore and like Fall Out Boy, every yeah. like pop emo band will cite them as an influence, even though they were kind of lesser known. Yeah. And I would even argue Fall Out Boy is not as creative. Uh, yeah. Well, like they're also influenced by jazz. So that's where Cap and Jazz came from. So like they would put weird, they would make songs in like weird time signatures. Yeah. And with American football, they tried like bashing complex time signatures up against each other with the guitars and it like yep. results in something different. Um, so anyways, and then just with the house, it's just a funny thing. Cause like I even knew a guy who lived there and he hated when people would come up to the house and like take pictures with it and stuff. <laughs> so it's, I always thought they recorded the album there, but uh, I guess it was just like a friend of, it was kind of like a punk house. It's like student housing, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like a house where there were punk shows and stuff. And one guy just took that picture and they liked it. They used it as the album cover. They recorded the album in four days and then they broke up and like moved away from college. And then it's one of those albums that after the fact has kind of taken on a new life. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about it more. I'm yammering on uh, for this next segment. When I point at you, you just ask me a question and say, honestly, okay. Honestly. Okay. So yeah, you know, going into my song here, I was going to pick a different song, like maybe the summer ends. Great song. Yep. And yeah, first like couple were just bangers. You know, I'll wrap this up. I'll be leaving soon. And, you know, I've been rambling on the podcast. I'll see you when we're both not so emotional. <laughs> you know, I should have picked the one with the Wurlitzer, but the regrets are killing me. So I'm going to stay home with my first pick. That's your cue. Honestly? For sure. Uh, it was never meant to be anything but the first song. Never meant. Wow. Our ears have just melded, dude. We can't even do this you show anymore. You pick the same one? <laughs> yeah. It's a standout banger. It's also more upbeat. Yeah, listen to these drums, the way he's hitting them up. Mike Kinsella was a drummer in Captain Jazz. But in American football, we got Steve Lemos. So it's Mike Kinsella, his cousin Nate, who is also a University of Illinois student. And then two Steves, Steve Holmes, Steve Lemos. You ever get into Modest Mouse? I like them, yeah. Some of these songs reminded me a bit of Modest, like early Modest Mouse before they did their whole pop thing. Yeah, definitely. Like that one album. Because I think they would have been contemporaries, early 90s. 
Or wait, when is this album? This is 1999. So it's like Captain Jazz was like 95. And then okay. by this time, they're a little bit older. But kind of what we'll be going into in the other connections is like, and, you know, as a champagne person, I'm always feeling like champagne itself is underrepresented. So like Braid, who we've talked about on the podcast before, kind of played a similar style. And there were like a lot of bands around the Midwest that played a similar style as this. But they definitely took it to the next level in terms of like the guitars, the twinkling. Yeah. This sounds like Laws and Laws. Exactly. It's like post-rock. And then like the double singing there is like taking back Sunday did stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it makes me want to sing it. Yeah. Not to be did you pause it? Uh maybe accidentally, sorry. Wow. Minus five. Flat flag on the field, American football. Uh do I have to hit? Yeah, I gotcha. We'll go back to here. Okay. Not to be overly dramatic. Throw a flag. I saw in another interview with Mike Kinsella where they said, like, what's the one through line of all your music? Because then, like, from this, I got to know American football because I was kind of a fan of uh, Owen, which was just Mike Kinsella's solo project after this. And, like, there's also Joan of Arc that Tim Kinsella went on to and Owls and a bunch of other bands. But he said the one through line in all his music is honesty. Nice. But I feel like that is kind of a differentiator between like the ironicness of grunge and then like emo just being like honest about emotions and relationships yeah Yeah, the way he turns his phrase is not as uh, trite as some of the emo stuff I heard So who's the guitar player? Is it the same as singer? Yeah, it's Mike Kinsella, the guy I keep talking about. And then wow. the other guitarist is Steve Holmes. So they basically, like Mike Kinsella was in another band. I forget what it was called. And then he just like jammed with these guys one day. And they had a good repertoire or whatever. So they were like, fuck it, let's make an album. And then it came out on Polyvinyl Records, like the local champagne label that I just kind of started out, which also put out Braid, Frame and Canvas. And it blew up. Yeah, I'm looking on Wiki here and they have all the tunings listed and there's some crazy... Yeah. None of them are standard. That's sweet. So they're like music nerds that have incredible chops that decided to write like songs about their breakups. And are also like in the punk scene, DIY yeah. scene. So influenced by that. Um, Love it. Yep. Passing it back, throwing it down the field. Hail Mary. Nice. Might be one of my favorite picks you've done so far. Didn't really know anything about the group. So it was a lot of fun listening. Uh, all right. We left off with My Bloody Valentine. Talking a little bit about Shoegaze. We had mentioned... That, you know, it's from the guitarist staring down at their pedals. 
I've also heard people say that, you know, the people in the audience are staring down at their shoes while they listen to it and not looking up at the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got your shoe gaze, which made me think of Nike's on my feet, but we've already Ooh. talked about Mac Miller, Air Force Ones. I didn't want to talk about Nelly, but there is someone we haven't talked a ton about. We've talked a little bit about Run the Jewels, but we have not talked about Killer Mike. This is A-D-I-D-A-S, Adidas. Honestly? Killer Mike. Nice pick. Next! What you doing? Real quick, my other sort of connection here is we have Shoe Gaze. Well, I was reading online on Wiki that actually this album from Killer Mike uh, had a little bit of controversy because the label supposedly went around to radio stations and they would either ask the DJ, like the, the, the you know DJs, the disc jockeys, what is your shoe size? We'll send you a pair of Adidas if you play this album or this this song. And uh, or they would send them one pair, and they'd say, "If you play the song, we'll send you the other like shoe." <laughs> and so then they got accused of payola, which is illegal. Wow! So this is from Shoe Gaze into Shoe Gate. Oh! Also, another middle school, early high school jam. So this was on Killer Mike's debut album, Monster, which I didn't remember how much uh, like Andre 3000 and even Big Boy had kind of helping him get off the ground. Yeah, I don't remember that either, but I believe it. Big Boy's on this track. Actually, this is Big Boy. Yeah, Big Boy. <laughs> Killer Mike kind of sounds similar. Big Boy, most underrated rapper of all time. Yeah. Damn, we got the edited version. <laughs> Is it part about Chola and Chucha? Puerto Ricans call it Chola. A long time ago, it got taken off. It got taken off the internet, but I made a mix of every Outcast song with only Big Boy. Nice. And like when you listen to it back to back crazy yeah he's a pretty incredible rapper talk about though the old style where it's just like get on a mic and wrap your ass off yeah there's killer mike damn <laughs> sorry clean podcast this also sounds so different than what he sounds like on uh, run the jewels yeah. Oh. I think I accidentally <laughs> did that now. Sorry. All right. Foul offsetting, on the play. Offsetting penalties. Yeah. Uh, Redo the down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next. 
Also, this song samples Ween, which is kind of fun. I was wondering what this sample was. That's singing right there. The song is Roses Are Free. Hello? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to go through I'm it tell you, all them grind Hold time on. dudes ain't getting in. I got a deal. Jay gonna holler at you. Jay, oh, I'm telling you, they ain't getting in. Speedo, I thought That's you had a cash, though. You got a fat girl. Hey, your mama called, say your sister got sick, got a rush into the Waffle House. Wait. This is Killer Mike, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy like before? That, that other guy doesn't sound like Killer But I think it was before, too, right? I don't know. We just need to keep this thing from the end for charge on the down. This just sounds more like how he sounds now. But over 18 only cause baby I'm no per. From the tour bus to the lobby, elevator to the room. We can jump each other. Alright, second guy was Sleepy Brown. Oh, no wonder sleepy lyrics. Also Outcast guy though, I feel like he's always on Outcast songs. I thought he was a singer. Oh, I thought he, he was singing singer? this hook. Yeah. Okay. Believe me. Alright, well we got the music video. <laughs> we got the clean music video. That was a fail. I'm gonna have to punt no. after that one. <laughs> good song, good song. Fourth down. Are you punting? I'll fair catch. Yeah, bad. I'll punt it. Alright. So we left off with American football. Never meant we were never meant to listen to Killer Mike, but we did. Now, one other thing about the house I was gonna say, thinking about architecture, music, place. Like, you know, that house, I feel like connected with fans because, you know, because they broke up so quickly and they didn't release any music videos or anything like that, didn't even really perform or tour. Uh, like there was nothing visual for fans to latch on to. So like all there mm -hmm. really is, is that picture of the house. And then it like kind of took on a life of its own afterwards. Um, I don't know. I just find that super fascinating. Mm hmm. Anyways, and it's also such a moody photo, like exactly like in you. I don't know what comes for it's like chicken and the egg thing of like, does the music reflect the house? Does the house reflect the music? Or do you just think of that because it's on the album cover or like would the album be the same if there is something else? If there was like a football player on the cover or something, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know about you, but for some reason to me, the way the sky is lit up, it reminds me of like, do you remember? evenings where this it was like a low snow so the clouds were really low in the sky and so like the street lights kind of like lit up the night yeah it's definitely like a winter because the tree is bare mm -hmm. and it's like they have a song called stay home and there's like a light on the like a warm light on in the uh bedroom upstairs mm -hmm. and then the sky is like a little green even but i think it's tinged that way um but yeah definitely so it gives off the bleak kind of vibes mm -hmm. but just to show how far american football's influence has spread we're going all the way to wuhan china this is chinese football emotional or sorry electronic girl groovy's chinese football yeah got it 
they singing in Chinese? Mandarin? Yeah, so they're they're from Wuhan, China. And they call themselves Chinese football. Are they American and, football cover? <laughs> no, they're not a cover band, but they're just a, a like indie band. But they are obviously indebted to American football. So I just yeah, think it's cool similar. to show how far like you know Champaign, Illinois' influence has spread. Wuhan and also Urbana. And then Wuhan <laughs> spread it back. <laughs> uh, Order in the court. Yeah, where is the gavel? <laughs> no, that was funny. Get me ejected. So I guess this band is known kind of as more math rocky. Yeah. So I don't really know what that term means. Do you? I think it's the idea that you're playing with like time signatures, like that you were even thinking about it for at the all. art of it. Yeah. Like composing. Like, can you yeah. believe I'm doing a three-eight guitar part over drums that are in, you know, five-four, right, or whatever. And I think there's the key thing as well. I think it is about playing with keys. It's just the math behind music. Like, what can you do when you think about it really analytically? So this band will also, they tag all their stuff on Bandcamp as Midwest Emo. Wow. Which I find great. They also opened for American football in like 2019 or something like that. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So American football, they broke up immediately after releasing their album. And then it kind of just grew and like emo exploded, became the biggest genre in the world. Do you have any idea why they broke up? It was just because they were just graduating college and moving away. It was like, all right, we're just going to record this. Get out of here. Wow, so they were that young? Did you not listen to the entire podcast? Yeah, I missed that part. <laughs> I knew they were young, but I didn't realize it was college. Well, it was Captain Jazz was while they were in high school, or while Mike Kinsella was in high school. And then he went to college, and his cousin Nate was also in college there. So that's why it's like, if you do listen to the lyrics, it's like, I'll see you when the summer ends and it's like kind of you know that's why I was saying like it could only come out of a certain place because it really has the college vibes yeah and just how it's like friends who happen to be jamming because they went to the same shows at a certain place you know and so if you go to the University of Illinois you're in Urbana it's like straddles uh, most of the universities in Urbana and then uh, some of it's and like some of the bars and housing and stuff is in Champaign just across yeah and it's like the cities kind of blend together
the American Football House is at 704 West High Street. The other thing is they claim that they didn't want to have it torn down and like condos built, which is interesting because there are a lot of like high rise kind of condos being built in Champaign, like mostly student housing, but I'm not sure about that street. So I think they really just want to turn it into a museum for themselves. Love that. But I can't hate on it. Pass it back. I'm going to hand it off. All right. I'm going to go on record, make some corrections. The Ween sample on Adidas by Killer Mike is that little sound you were talking about. It's just sped up from the Ween song. Okay. Little beep, 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 beep. And verse two was Killer Mike, right? And so the verses go first one's Big Boy, like we thought. Two is Killer Mike. And then three is actually a back and forth between Killer Mike and Big Boy. Okay. And Sleepy Brown is a singer, like you thought. That's who's doing the chorus. All right. Trying some redemption there. Not trying to lead our listeners astray. All right. We were talking about All Day I Dream About Sex. There's that iconic line, which I think might have gotten cut out because it was the music video where he says, Granddad, Granddad, let me get some of those blue diamonds, a.k.a. Viagra. Launching into Red Perkins, Big Blue Diamonds. Nice. 1950s. We definitely heard that part twice. Oh, we did? Okay. Big diamonds, big blue diamonds on her finger. Instead of a little band of gold Big diamonds, big blue diamonds Tell the story Of love that no man could ever hold She wanted more than I Not a ton about Red Perkins, country singer uh, from Ohio. Just loved the sort of uh, old school sound of this. I like this recorded in the 40s and 50s. Can't go wrong with slide. Never. Sledge, Jerry Lee Lewis. So I think this is like a country standard, but his like baritone bass voice is great. 
It's a great recording. What year is this? I think 1950. It also said issued on a 78 RPM, which is great. So that's like the big shellac records. I didn't even know that records came in 78. Yeah, so they would spin in 78 instead of a 33 and a half or 45. So it's all it's all tied to how you cut the record. All right. Talk a little bit more about records on the recorded history of music. Yeah, check it out. You passing it back? Yeah, that was a quick one. Interception. Um, we're going from Chinese football. Uh, you know, another local Champagne Urbana legend was that the uh, president of China, Xi Jinping. I'm, I don't claim to pronounce things correctly, but that's how I read yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty good. He apparently said that the drive from Champagne to Chicago was the most beautiful drive he's ever taken in the world. Really? Which I don't think he ever actually ever said that, or it might have been a different guy who was visiting, but I still <laughs> believe it. And yeah. it's just funny because it's a completely boring drive and it's just all cornfields and soybean fields. But we're driving up that highway out of, uh, from, you know, China out of Champagne. And we're going all the way up to Madison, Wisconsin to a band called Rainer Maria. Launching into Viva Anger, Viva Hate. So this is off the first album that first full length album that Polyvinyl Records put out, which Polyvinyl Records was started by a guy from near Champagne who lived in Champagne, and he put out like a compilation of all the DIY kind of emo bands from around the Midwest, like around Illinois, and then this band was from Wisconsin, and then they put out Braids first album which we've talked about on the podcast before so it's kind of showing how this style was you know prevalent in other areas as well it would would you consider that they like knew each other's music definitely i don't know for sure but i would think so Especially because the album came out on American Football album came out on Polyvinyl, yeah. And Polyvinyl's gone on like Japan Droids of Montreal, like a lot of like indie bands have come out of there. But like the back and forth vocals on this.
little bit of shoegaze influence. Yeah. And like the Pixies too, I think, you know, with the dynamics that we've talked about before, from the quiet to the loud, quiet. Nice. Passing it back. Some great picks making me feel some things, just like some big blue diamonds. <laughs> uh, uh, real quick. Yeah. New York Times, apparently this is straight from Wikipedia, but apparently the New York Times wrote that this album captures the slightly chaotic sound of a band that was willfully out of place. The trio is often the wimpiest act at Midwestern punk and hardcore concerts. Wimpiest is in that like loud. Yeah, and like I feel like that's kind of, you know, the split between, you know, like emo music of this time comes out of like punk and hardcore, but probably, you know, it's kind of divergent from it of like these bands are quiet and emotional making you feel things rather than just making you punch people yeah all right we're getting into the last connection here left off at big blue diamonds talking about viagra this is touchdown ease your mind just a great little funky tune touchdown Setting me up for my touchdown. Ease your mind. Just pop the pills. Sponsored by Hymns. <laughs> Super popular boogie tune. Early 1980s. You'll hear this sometimes DJs will play this. I played on their vinyl at 45 RPM, maybe 33 and a half, maybe 78. Some twinkling guitars. No, that's some keys. There's some twinkling. Something's twinkling. episode without some funky bass. 100 points for funky bass. about this with the American Football Connection, but I feel like there's still more to talk about with American Football. Um, but I Have you ever watched the show Ted Lasso? Yeah. You probably don't like it, but the premise is that an American football coach goes to uh, London and coaches a European football team. Thanks for assuming I probably don't like it. You don't, right? I watched like the first season, most of the first season. It was okay. Um, 
but I was watching um, an interview with Jason Sudeikis and the person asked like, you know, what kind of tropes do you think would happen in reverse if a, like a English premier football coach was coaching an NFL team? That's a good question. I just thought that was an interesting comparison. Uh, one of the things he called out was the lack of like co- uh, coordinated chance that American football doesn't have. Hmm. Yeah, like the supporters. Just like sections. defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whereas soccer games are like constant cheering. Yeah, it's like a it's like a music. Yeah, it's like music to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then also the other one was the way that the coaches dress. Much more casual for NFL. Yeah. You don't see a soccer coach and a visor. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, interesting thought experiment. I know, I think we've talked about in past episodes, kind of the, where the name football came from for soccer. Right. And so when I was in Ireland too, it was like, uh, in Cork, someone told me that, because I saw in Dublin on the sign, it said soccer supplies or something. Really? I was like, oh, do they call it soccer here? And then in Cork, I asked someone and they were like, oh yeah, we call it soccer Really? And then in Dublin, they were, I asked some other people, and they were like, no, we call it football. And they were like, oh, in Cork. I was like, in Cork, they called it soccer. They're like, oh, in Cork. Yeah, that makes sense. What? So I don't know if they were just fucking with me or like, but I think it's called football, but also Australia calls it soccer. Wait, really? Yeah. You're blowing my mind right now. So it's like... The national team is called the Socceroos in Australia. <laughs> All right. I like this part. A little conga drumming, is that what you call it? Uh huh. Call get it a little, get a soccer chant. Yeah. <laughs> dale, dale. There should definitely be a soccer team that just plays like this kind of music the whole time. That'd be amazing. I feel like the players would love it. So, internet says soccer was actually a British term that they used to globalize the sport. Interesting. Wow, they incepted us. We think we're rebelling against them, but they yeah. came up with it. I feel like the name American football for a band too kind of puts them in a place to, you know, it's like, yeah, something to it. I naturally confuse them with modern baseball. I know. Or I always confuse them with Chinese football. Yeah. <laughs> so Chinese football has like a full album that's soccer song titles. That's amazing.
So it says the like 1980s that. is when uh, the use of soccer in the UK went down. Prior to that, it was pretty much synonymous. Also on this song, it's like, I've had enough of this small town. Just dance the pain away. Fitting the like Midwest emo. Yeah. I think Touchdown's one of those like disco boogie groups that's just like forms for a couple of records. They're never really a band. I like that a lot. That was a good choice. Studio musicians. Great choice. All right. We had some uh, celebrations in the end zone, passing it back. All right. We left off. I'm stewing right now because I, you know, Lee got a touchdown and I'm angry. I'm hateful. Who else? You know, we left off with Rainer Maria, Viva Anger, Viva Hate. Who embodies that more than anyone you know, Lee? Anger and hate. Um, I don't know. The devil. Dracula who? The devil. The devil or the devil's servant, Dracula. Wow. Who it will launch in now. Bauhaus. Nice. Bella Lugosi is dead. Have we have you played this on the podcast before? No, we talked about him a little bit last week. Um talking about four AD, right? Hey, you know more than I know. Record label 480, I think. We oh, right. Cocteau Twins, Pixies, and Bauhaus. So another connection here. Tim Kinsella, Mike Kinsella's brother who founded Cap and Jazz during the Cap and Jazz reunion. Uh, they asked, are there any bands you know that have reunited? that you like uh-huh. and he said if it wasn't for the Bauhaus reunion I wouldn't be able to do this this wouldn't be happening wow and they said why and then he said they were my favorite band ever so it was my favorite night ever and it made it real made me realize it didn't have to be like a hardcore band keeping it real for the kids or something like that this feels like our first shows we're new to all these people which I feel nice. like is a great quote that's like as much as you want to criticize you know bands reunited or playing nostalgia like, I didn't really know about Bauhaus, but I kind of like this. New to me. New to you, the listener. 1979. Released on Small Wonder. Their first single ever. And according to Wikipedia, it's the first gothic rock record. Yeah, they're up there kind of with a My Bloody Valentine, like, cult cult underground like legend one of the dub lab djs her dad was actually the drummer oh nice shout out house well the drumming too i brought up bossa nova on the last song because i guess this is like bossa nova style and like they were really into dub and reggae totally kind of it's funky bass but in a different way you can hear the effects And it's like Heavens, who we've talked about before, you know, similar kind of style. Also talking about architecture, 
Bauhaus is referenced to German Bauhaus art movement. And like their logo is from the typeface that was used on the Bauhaus building, which I don't really know much about Bauhaus. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to bow out. It was honestly always confusing to me that they called themselves Bauhaus. I think it was just a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't know. It's like Midwest emo. What does it really mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's just a tag. Also, this band's from Northampton, England. So this is some Brit pop for you. Nice. So kind of similar to American football, I guess they recorded this song six weeks after they'd been together. And I read a quote where it was like, we didn't even talk about what we were doing. We just like, we're building an atmosphere. Do you think there's more than one Northampton in England? Maybe, why? Because uh, Slow Tie from an earlier episode is from Northampton. No, I think it's the same. Because he says, yeah, I'm from Northampton. Yeah, I'm a cobbler, which is the name of their football team. <laughs> They're the cobblers. I love that. So, so British. It's the champagne of England. Yeah. Can you imagine cheering for your team when they are the cobblers? That's <laughs> great. So this came out on Small Wonder Records, and I guess the uh, record exec there compared it to Velvet Underground's Sister Ray. So that's my John Cale get out of jail. Nice. Suck it on my dick, dog. <laughs> also, Bella Laguzzi, however you say it. I don't claim to pronounce things right. I didn't know much about him, but he's like the actor who famously portrayed Dracula. Oh, I didn't know that. So this was like, that's why it's like a goth song because they're talking about him and it's just kind of like, I don't know, it doesn't really make much sense, but. We were, we were almost crossing some crazy streams from Killer Mike. I almost went to Kanye West Monster. Wow. Where Jay-Z talks about Dracula. No good blood sucker. Yeah. Wait, doesn't, uh, I think Rick Ross says that. Okay, maybe. No good blood. Well, I mean, Jay-Z might too. The whole but album, is, or the whole song is all about, you know, horror. It might have been yeah. Sleepy Brown. But yeah, no, Rick Ross says. <laughs> no good blood sucker, fat motherfucker, now look who's in trouble. As I run through your jungles, all I hear is rumbles. Kanye West samples, here's one for example. So much to rap over this. Wait, so Jay-Z says, all I get is these vampires and bloodsuckers. Nice. So similar. So this was kind of reminding me of My Bloody Valentine a little. Bloody? Oh. I will say learning they're British made me realize that they mean it more like, hey, my bloody Valentine. <laughs> That's funny. Instead of just like bloody like Dracula. And apparently this band was influenced by jazz too. Miles Davis doing this one. And then they reunited, like Tim Kinsella was saying, 
1998. And then apparently they have an iconic Coachella performance when they played, they opened with this song and the singer came on stage upside down. Wow. I've never really had a huge obsession with like the occult. Me neither. That I want like my music and stuff to be all about it. Me neither. There's definitely people out there who do. I can appreciate it. Yeah, like I saw a sticker today of like uh, kind of a Dracula looking guy or like a devil. And I was like, some people just get off on that kind of imagery. Or like I've been to Disneyland during the goth day which is always really interesting it's like they have a t-shirt that says halloween is my christmas (laughs) the haunted line for the haunted mansion is like five hours long i am curious though why kanye west's monster isn't a halloween song because he's canceled (laughs) because of a-d-i-d-a-s Killer Mike. You could have gone from Killer Mike Adidas. Oh, you, that's what you said you were going to do. I almost did, and then I didn't. I just thought Kanye might be getting us in trouble from a licensing perspective. I didn't want to play his music. Cool stuff going on here. Kanye, another Illinois great, like American football. Yeah, so here's, here's the other thing I was going to ask you when I brought up that song was how do you think my. Dark Twisted or my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy has aged. I haven't listened to it in a while, but uh, I definitely think it probably aged well. Because I was re-listening to um, whatever the one Runaway. Mm-hmm. That one's actually still pretty damn good. I still remember though, like I think he played that, he debuted that at like the end of some awards show. And he uh-huh. had like the MPC on stage and he kept it in like, look at, is that the one that's like, look at you, look at you. Uh, I don't know. I think so. But he kept just like triggering a sample just over and over again. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this song? It's the one is with the piano toast? notes though. Yeah. Yeah. Toast yeah. To the he, assholes. Like, he was hitting that on the MPC. Yeah. There is the look at you part. You're right. Yeah. Look at you. Look at you. Or whatever it says. Yeah. Is that Toasted the Douchebags? Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll pass it back. All right. Delay of game. <laughs> that was a 10-minute song. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, we left off with Touchdown, getting us to American football. Um. Was going to do Never Meant, but Will and I picked all the same songs now that we've been doing this podcast for three, four years now, five years. This is our 82nd episode we've ever done, ever recorded. Uh, Anyways, launching into... I'll give you 82 points for that. Thanks. For keeping track of that. I approach every game like it's... I love playing two-hand touch. Eating way too much, watching my team win with the twins. Ah, no! Quarterbacks eating dirt. Pom poms. I'm gonna blow the whistle. Too short. Blow the whistle. Quit. And those twins. 
I thought since we were talking about you know European football versus American football, no, that was a good con- contrast. Classic commercial, honestly, great job. Teenage feelings. Can't remember my teenage feelings. What a classic line for a 19-year-old to write. This is the one where I got a lot of Modest Mouse from. Yeah, Modest Mouse, that the Lonesome Crowded West is basically like an emo album. Yeah, definitely. It's this style of songs. I feel like, yeah, like Taking Back Sunday definitely ruined that kind of back and forth singing style. Yeah, I mean, I still like Taking Back Sunday, don't get me wrong. But, but it got parodied, and then it became, yeah. like, too cliche. like blasphemous going up and down the highway actually not even a highway it's like a two-lane road that you can go like 45 on i'm glad you liked it i never have embraced my whiteness ever like that before listening to this album and just like windows down full blast and then you put on killer mike and you're like is that killer mike or is that (laughs) is that that big boy (laughs) they all sound the same to me Definitely as a white person drum on your steering wheel when you listen to this music. I mean, this album is definitely, you know, for white guys. Definitely. I, I meant it genuinely. I, didn't, I know I was yeah. poking fun, but I was like, yeah, this is me listening to this music and I love it. I'm glad you liked it. I thought you wouldn't like it, to be honest. Honestly. Honestly. I'm surprised you hadn't listened to it, too. At least, like, in the podcast. I love this part, though, too. That, like, slow solo over this. Oh, yeah. Little of My Bloody valentine there. Totally. Just slowed down even more. crazy what they were able to pull off in just a short amount of time of jamming together that's nuts i mean they must have gone to school for music or something right did they play together in school i'm not sure to be honest i think they um i just know it was like kind of like the active diy scene and stuff you know yeah they just seem really tight like they played together a lot I mean, definitely, like, the jazz influences and stuff we talked about and the time signatures, like, they knew their shit, you know? Yeah. But they're able to give that, like, they're able to give an equation feeling, I guess. 
which is rare. Uh-huh. Or like they still know that feeling feeling is an important part of it, I guess. Like you can't just place you can play something really technical, but it doesn't have the same feeling. Well, I think that the like technical it's almost like too technical not enough feeling is when you get the like what is the band that does through fire and flames that style of rock where it's just like about how many notes you can play precisely and quickly right you know i'm talking about the guitar hero song uh i can think yeah what the hell is that song is too good dragon force yeah i know you're talking about definitely hear the My Bloody Valentine influences on this one a lot. Yeah. So is this like an album where you were like, it was like your album in in high school or did you get to do it later? Um, like I said, I, I liked Owen when I was in high school, and I kind of knew about it, but probably got more into it later, and also kind of thought, you know, like, people were annoying who would visit the house. Uh-huh. And thought it was that almost too on the nose for you, living ridiculous. in Urbana. Urbana. And it's almost like, Urbana. yeah, or it's almost like the kind of fan, the American football fan is kind of an annoying type of person. Yeah, I guess. they're an outsider. But I also can't deny that it's pretty damn good. Yeah, this feels like an album for me where like if it hits you, you just like listen to it on repeat. Yeah, and it's like they reunited, I think, 2010 or 2012 or something like that. I saw them when they came to LA and I was in college. But I remember like they reunited because they got so big mm-hmm. by that point. So it mm-hmm. like kind of took a while for them to even get noticed where it was just like, I guess all the bands that I liked and stuff like the emo bands, you know, mm-hmm. I'll stand by fallout boy and a lot of those bands, mm-hmm. you know, they liked American football and this album influenced them. So it's like one of those things where you learn, even though it wasn't that long ago and yeah, the other bands are still active. Yeah. Owen is pretty good. Check it out. Okay. Maybe that can be another pick Almost for played you too many moons. It's just too similar, but yeah. Okay. Uh, launching in, we left off with Bauhaus. Uh, gonna bow out. Uh, gonna bow out. My blood. There's too many connections. British. My bloody Valentine. Goth rock. When does Dracula get you? When you sleep. Nice. Catchiest one for me. Definitely catchy. I feel like, I like the, the end of Honestly almost, almost sounds like this. Yeah. The guitars almost sound like they're singing. Yeah, or synth or something. Mm-hmm. 
the female vocalist is named Belinda. I know we had mentioned her earlier. Great name. So I think this is in um, Lost in Translation. Does that sound right? I've never seen it, but I believe it. No, different song, maybe. I feel like this is in our movie somewhere. Like you were saying, another one-to-one connection with My Bloody Valentine was popular on college radio. American football, same thing. College down. Yeah, it sounds like the main guy, Kevin Shields, kind of a pain in the ass. Which for me, that makes it hard to like the music sometimes. Like just a control freak? Yeah, he was just like constantly changing studios and wouldn't finish the album. So I was wondering if they could nail this live, if like the songs took forever to put together. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, how does the live show sound? Yeah. I'd be curious. I've never heard them. But that was definitely how they got tinnitus in the middle of making the album as they were playing live, so... I'm sure they were pretty experienced at it. I feel like I also saw on Twitter someone had said like you know how people do those questions. Mm-hmm. It was name an album where the album cover looks exactly like it sounds, and I feel like that could be the theme for uh, this episode, right? But it's still like pink for Loveless. It's like a really blurred out pink image, and yeah, definitely it's like. With a guitar on it. I can't explain why it matches, but it does. It's like fuzzy pink. It's definitely the vibe of My Bloody Valentine. And if you look up Rainer Maria's Past Worn Searching, that album cover, uh-huh. it's uh, kind of similar in a weird way. That's your homework. Nice. But... uh. All right. I felt like I rambled too much. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. You can uh, email us at connectingtheclassics at gmail.com if you want to suggest a theme. And if we use it, we'll Venmo you a dollar. All right. Great up. All right. Bye. See you next time. Stay home.